Welcome to the Speak In Flow podcast. Let's unleash your leadership voice. Listen in to the untold stories of high-performing leaders where they will reveal their golden takeaways to help you become fearless communicators and fast-track your career. Join us for the journey. Welcome, dear listeners. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I have the honor of introducing an amazing guest, Murat Wahab. He's the founder and principal of Hakim Saya, your global funding partner. He has had over 20 years of experience in banking, entrepreneurship, small business startup advisory. He's has he provides access to capital to domestic and international companies. Um, so he has so much wealth of information when it comes to mastering the art of financial communication. And I think this is such an important topic. I'd love to just dive right in and just say, hi, Maura, thank you for being here. Oh, hi, Melinda. Um, I just want to, first, before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for inviting me. It is an honor and privilege to be here and uh, be part of your journey and uh, for your own podcast to uh, speak about um, the topics that dear to my heart, uh, which is that uh, about related to banking and finance and also related to communication. So the themes for today that, you know, that I was thinking when you asked me about what are the themes that I want to talk about is um, mastering the art of financial communication mm -hmm. and navigating financing language, cross-cultural nuances, and the power of storytelling, mm -hmm. which is quite mouthful, but I think your audience will be appreciative, can learn one or two, hopefully, and by the end, when we finish this conversation. I agree. I know that they're going to love this. I'm going to learn. I can't wait to dive in. So tell me, what is it? Why is it important? Why is this important that we learn how to do this? Um, let me just let you know, I've been in banking for over, wow, may, uh, officially 14 years. And then prior to that, I was in the hospitality industry for over 13 years here in abroad. And then also working in a nonprofit organization things like that. And with the capacity as a founder and principal of Hakim Saya, which mm -hmm. is your global funding partner, mm -hmm. these, these particular themes are very important and relevant, especially when entrepreneurs or individual, um, you know, working in a national setting. So mm -hmm. the theme itself is encapsulates the importance of understanding um, and effectively using financial jargon. Like many industries have their own acronyms, right? You know, financing back, uh, financial uh, in banking industry as well have a lot of those. So acknowledging the challenges and opportunities in doing business cross cultural settings, and emphasize the compelling role of storytelling in financial pitching, it's a very important because these um, it is a very comprehensive approach that will highlight for me is that the significance of communication skills in the world of the business finance, especially in the context of international dealings, and also how you persuade investors or lenders when you're trying to pitch. Okay. So in this, in today's, I plan to clarify, to cover a few 
key points or pointers that maybe will help your audience and all the listeners who listen to your podcast in three things, which is one, the necessity of understanding and using financial language effectively. Uh, two, uh, the impact of cross-cultural nuances in international finance. And uh, number three is the role of storytelling in banking financial pitches engage, uh, very engaging and compelling. That's the three things that I want to talk about. Why the topics, this art, are very important. Okay, and what is it? So, so what is the the nuance? What is the importance? Start off with there, the first yeah, one. Absolutely. That's a great question, Melinda. Yeah. So the nuances is basically like, you know, for example, I have a client that, you know, as a as a uh, as a founder and principal of Akim Saya, helping my client, you know, my client come from around the world. One particular client basically based in Africa. So Africa, you know, just like around the world, people speak English, but their English is not really necessary that you can understand. Right. Even though that, you know, they meant something that you think that you understand, but you're listening, but if you listen carefully, that's not what it meant. So this communications style that, you know, for each different countries or clients that I work with, particularly in Africa, because this is one example that I'm giving, so basically that will, um, you know, uh, it's critical when uh, a borrower, for example, or the project owners that I dealt with, that the style of communications needs to at least, uh, you know, be understood by both parties, right? Th this is the challenge because be just because you can speak English doesn't mean that culturally that you can understand the nuances. And sometimes a lot of those borrowers or individual when they do business internationally, it's just like they don't understand the American way and vice versa also that they don't understand the other culture like Japanese, the Chinese, like, and, and let alone my clients in Africa. So these are, these are the challenge. And, and I'm going to go be very specific. One okay. example, when when I actually working with my in African client is, is that, they um, communicate uh, this way, like they say that, okay, I'm going to apply for X million dollars of loans to, to these lenders. And then they say, and X, Y, on what year? They say, okay, on the year one, I'm going to be profitable. So, you know, these are financial literacy, like, okay, does it make sense on the year one? And then when you have documentation that you provided like business plan that you provided to the lenders it shows differently because those facts factual information is not corroborated mm -hmm. with what you said and mm -hmm. what you prove because mm -hmm. we base on facts and mm -hmm. figures mm -hmm. so the communication needs to be like embedded and it has to be clear when you communicate that with the lender so can they understand that so i found that by truly um, um, get to the, the point and shows that figures and make sure that what you provide is factual and figures is actually resonant to what the documents you're providing, not just saying it. Mm -hmm. So when yeah. you're working with your client, mm -hmm. how are you able to, to decipher and discern what is clear or what is not? So he, the person said profitable, I mean, have you done it for so long that you start to make sure that you clarify? <laughs> yeah, so this is the beauty of it because I've been in banking and trained in the commercial 
training, right? Commercial credit trained. And then uh, I have done so many different, uh, you know, yeah. transactions and different yeah. assets class. So it's come to second to, uh, na it's a nature, right? Uh, for me, uh, I don't expect other people who doesn't have those background be able to di uh, dissect or decipher immediately. So for me, it's very easy that immediately that if somebody just say that without even saying, I mean, without even actually seeing those right. fresh sheets and whatnot, immediately I can just gauge and say, this is a go, is this a no-go? Mm -hmm. Because those is based on experience and it's hard to actually say, and uh, of course that behind the scenes that when I have the data, I have to do all the financial spreads and understanding those data and then communicate right. that to the borrowers and, and what does that mean? Right, right. So it, it is always good to definitely when you there's a something you're not sure of to repeat it, to say it in the, your own words to make sure the other party agrees that yes, we are indeed talking about the same thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And, and it also very helpful, basically, um, um, another way the challenge is also about using email. So email. Oh. Email is another thing, which is that it can be a lifesaver, but it also can be a big hindrance for a lot of the borrowers. Email has a purpose, you know? So when this purpose that it is to communicate that clearly, however, not everybody is a good underwriter. You know, not 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 also, they're not a, a, a professional writers to, to make sure that the message get across. And typically email, I perceive, is no soul. There's no soul. You cannot mm -hmm. see the body language like we're speaking right now and communicating. So right. if you don't understand, you can let's say, what do you mean? Let me just ask that. Now let me pause. Can you ex expand a little bit? Things like that. In email, it's not. Often working with my client, and this is miscommunication, and the lender misunderstood one thing, they, the borrower misunderstood another thing. And so this is because that the level of knowledge and the level of experience is depending on those borrowers that I work with, because it doesn't mean they're successful businessmen, they know finance. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that, right? So they're good what they do. And similarly, and, and I say that you, uh, uh, an example of email that my clients basically, my tip is, is that when you send email, because sometimes the language that you see the word you say sometimes you you you're so used to it let's say the word adapt what does it mean adapt so sometimes the lender will say adapt what 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 are you talking about mm -hmm. right and so this is the things that I would highly recommend is that pick up the call or arrange the zoom call mm -hmm. you know and speak to mm -hmm. me or to the lender directly Mm -hmm. So iron out like the misunderstanding because it's so easy, especially when you're doing international, um, you know, <laughs> in an international setting. It's 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 very easy. This is thing happen. Right. So, do you recommend when you're because we're we have we're going global? I mean, everybody is working across the different nations, countries, and so do you recommend when you are working across different cultures? to just pick up the phone? Like, how do you know when to email or pick up the phone? So of course, there is step-by-step -step process. Right. So, so you have to go through those step-by-step -step process. There is also that in the initial conversations or initials, um, you know, that you're trying to get to know each other. It's like a dating, right? So you kind of like start with, 
you don't you don't ask for marriage proposal just immediately you don't ask for money day. you're not going to give me money right away <laughs> we're not going to give you money no lender's going to give money like immediately like that right so you have to date in several you yeah. know several steps to go through yeah. similarly in financings that you know you have to submit your preliminary documents for example the executive summary uh business plans your five to ten years financial projections your management resumes or your sponsor's background uh you know and and construction budget if there is construction per se like like that and then when you start communicating that and then allow those lenders like for myself allow me to do the analysis understands those uh information first right and sometimes what happened, it was like borrowers are so enthusiastic. They're just like bombarded with so much information. And, you know, it's hard when you're trying to digest and dissect, you know, business plan, like 100 pages, for example, to read through, let alone the financial that they provided in the spreadsheet. It takes time, right, mm -hmm. just to understand that. So I think it's very helpful when even communicating uh, you know, if they can speak the language of the finance, like, you know, like we're looking at when it talked about like language, we talk about like, okay, financial ratios, what the financial ratio, what their service, that service coverage look like. What's the company, uh, you know, uh, uh, ability to service the debt that they're asking? What is the EBITDA? I know you're sure about EBITDA, like earning before interest tax, depreciations, amortization. What's the free cash flow? What, you know, all of these things that is all acronym that they use. So for those that are in finance and banking, maybe it sounds simple, but a lot of the people just scratch their head, like, what are you asking me, you know? So this is important when they should have, uh, you know, someone like the CFO that they work with that understands and then be part of this. Sometimes the CEO or the owner, they think that they know it all because they know the business, right. but they forget that they are not the masters of everything. Right, 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 right. And it it's, uh, takes time. It takes more time to slow down, to understand everybody's language, to have a good communication, to understand the language of both parties, like what culture are you dealing with? Like make sure if you are pitching that mm -hmm. you learn the language as much as you can, if you're pitching right. and then on the opposite side, if you are um, maybe a client or, or maybe you, have the, you are the, the person with a lot of technical, you're the financer, you have all the jargon, you know, how do you dumb, how do you speak the same language so your client understands? Right. I'll give you another example. So yeah. language is in yeah. Peru, right? So yeah. Latin America, this is in, in Peru, it's a different. They speak, you know, highly educated individuals, you know, from Oxford and Cambridge, you know, like, you know, they, these are smart people. But when when actually speaking and writing is a different thing, and you know that <laughs> some people like they speak fluently, but writing is awful, and vice versa, some people like right. Actually, writing is just fantastic, flawlessly. However, when speaking, which is like not there. Yeah. So this is this is that very common that that I've seen. So in this in this uh, uh, example of working like in a Latin America, you know, smart people they can speak fluent English. So whenever that they put it in writing, for example, you know, my client said, "Oh, we um we have this type of collateral." X amount of collateral and this unmovable collateral like assets like land or buildings whatnot and then what he meant by you know this asset that um that he he took it for granted in understanding that the lender probably will understood what he said so uh -huh. assuming is not good because 
the lender then come back and say, what are you talking about? You right. don't understand what we ask you for, right? right. Why right. are you why are you saying this? And so so this is what I say. It's just like then I have to intervene and then just to get the lender and write it like, listen, Mr. Lender, this is not what my client um actually uh, uh, um, uh, 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 shared that with you and understand. What he's trying to tell you is this. He has those collateral. He can pledge the collateral, right? If you were to ask, and then this collateral that he asked that, that he can pledge uh, to secure the funding mm -hmm. is basically free and clear. You know, some the words they don't use like free and clear. Sometimes they use the word encumbrances. <laughs> Sometimes they use the word, you know, like it's very, the language in itself, it's like, um, not that it, it's kind of getting away sometimes. So what oh, do you totally, mean? Totally. I mean, basically, okay. Jargon is one thing. Jargon is completely, um, almost encrypted and slang is almost yes. encrypted. Those right. are obvious. And then there's like what you're saying to me, just basic words, right. um, adapt, uh, profitability, you know, even profitability could be kind of hard too, but even yeah. adapt or yeah. accommodate, like even those one, the words that are, you feel like could be very clear. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it is like, you know, it's so funny sometimes that when you hear this, because, but it's not funny in a way that it's lost in translation and it does. It does yeah. loss in translation. And sometimes that my client just do, I advise them, um, if you were to write in English, maybe if you are fluent in Spanish, kind of like have both. Yeah. Just just kind of like to um, knowing oh. the fact that, you know, the, 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 the other side of the world actually speak other languages, maybe French or Spanish, but Spanish, for example, like, you know, uh, in, in, in the second language that in Latin America, that mostly beside Portuguese. So so, so I would say, yeah, they, and then would be very helpful to have that, your two languages, you know, just right. avoid from misunderstanding because they're more comfortable on their own language. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm learning Mandarin right now. Yeah. After this, I'm going to get on my Mandarin classes even more. Yeah. You know, when I used to work in Vietnam before, when I was in the hospitality, you know, that I did, um, you know, I studied uh, um, uh, uh, Italian well, okay. when oh. I was in Vietnam. Yeah. And then when I studied in Vietnamese, Vietnamese languages, so like very, very uh, difficult and challenging. And one example is the word like, you know, because there are different tone when you learn Mandarin, there's a different tone. Yeah. So, for example, the word chicken, like in Vietnam, Vietnamese, like da. They was like, no, you don't pronounce God. It's like God, like almost like longer. Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so I've always butchered them and I messed up, right? Yeah. So this is that example. Like th that's what I say. Like you know, you think that right. you know, but actually you don't know because of that. That does there is a difference meaning for that. Oh yeah, just like a simple tone. Just like if you just go up a little bit too high, changes yes. the entire meaning of yes. that word. Yeah. And then also the financial jargon in banking is I see like these AML, the ATA, the OCC, FRB, you know, it's almost like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, like, for example, we say, hey, you need to actually pass the FACTA at the FCRA. Like, what, what kind of alien is that? Exactly. You know? English is already hard enough. <laughs> I mean, the regular <laughs> spoken word. So yeah, even yeah, yeah. biotech basically. It's just like yeah. a lot in Latin, Latin word. Yes.
Yes. Yeah. For all the people that are out there that are in technology or in your own industry with very specific niche language, just remember that English is already hard enough. So when you're talking to a client or a key stakeholder or you're someone else that you need to um, either pitch or make an offer, you know, just remember that some of those languages, um, it's very difficult for other people. And so just consider your audience. Always consider your audience. Correct. Perhaps um, their style of communication, style of communication is important. What is their uh, personality type? Do they like a lot of details or do they like just very bulleted to the point? Right. Yeah. Um, another p culture, like you mentioned, culture is important, especially if you're doing international work. Right. What is their culture? Because um, now you're layering on another aspect that you really need to consider. One word, what you think um, might mean completely something different in another culture. Right, or right, right. exactly. Yeah. It is, it is very different world. And then I agree that with you that know your audience who you speak yeah. to and not right. don't assume things that just because that everybody speak English, when they understand English, you know, their understanding is a little bit more different than you. Exactly. Uh, never insult the inter their intelligence, obviously. Right. Uh, but understanding those those culture, the nuances are very important as well. Now, another things like in the in the language that you know in finance, even as the basic stuff, when lenders actually are trying to consider, regardless of my lenders or banks or non banks, they're looking at like you know they're trying to uh, assess right. There is five. I don't know whether you heard about five C's in 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 in, in basically in 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 the lending uh, in the banking. So the five C's are basically that the capacity the capital, the collateral, the conditions, and character. Okay. So this is what, at least the basic stuff, when any lender is trying to gauge of how they want to extend credit to, besides well, all other, of course, criteria that have to be met. Mm -hmm. But let's take a look about these five C. I will mm -hmm. take the last one, the character. Character is meaning is that very important. So I give you an example of my clients that I've known them for a very long time from my days at Wells Fargo, JP Morgan. And then, you know, even when I'm entrepreneurs right now, so, and then they came back to me. I know when they came back to me, I said, okay, I got my work cut out for this one. So because I know them very well. So uh -huh. they, they came back and, uh, you know, um, I understand what challenges that I'm going to face because I know these these owners very well right and so why and why so why the why they you know approach me and then ask for help so in particularly in this in this scenario is this my clients are trying to refinance a commercial real estate in san francisco what had happened is is that we talk about character and so unfortunately that um you know things that happened long time ago so you know in the in the banking and finance world when your client tells you something that they did we are obligated to actually to um, communicate that to the management to so we have to do our legal due diligence to make sure that these are still you know whether or not that is still rings true and mm -hmm. we have to find the facts finding and to make sure that we mitigate those right mm -hmm. whether it mitigate the risk but in this case a character big issue so mm -hmm. my client uh, basically that um, you know they got basically kicked out from another bank and and they want they don't but this bank uh, existing bank doesn't want to refinance them so I have to uh, help them to find a new one. So long story short, what I did is actually I knew that a bank that community bank in the Bay Area that basically that when I approached them this is what the communications is all about. 
I understand the background and what's the challenges is and how to mitigate that, uh, mitigate that risk. Immediately when I approach this bank, um, I say that, look, you're not going to have any issue with the 5C, the earlier on with the, the capital, the mm. collateral, the capacities, the condition, but you're going to have a problem with the characters here. So if you're going to get comfortable and then go through these, um, you know, the 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 uh, the career, uh, credit committee, sometimes they do have that in the bank credit committee. And if they can get comfortable and behind these transactions and the reasons why, the reason behind it that this has happened. And I say that then only if they can get if they get comfortable, then I would say this is a good deal because the rest, the financial ratio. If you're talking about DTI, if you're talking about EBITDA, you're talking about free cash flow, you're talking about net profit. That is non issue. Mm-hmm. The character is the issue. You see, wow. so yeah, so this is important, right? I mean, like you don't have anything else, but that one thing is still a big thing. So long story short, what happened is, is that they, by communicating that and understanding what the roots of the problems and how I communicate that, make sure that the lender themselves understanding and they can get behind it, be comfortable, then they can help the client. And the client also have to be, of course, they have to be honest and transparent based on factual, right? Factual data. That's just like cut both ways. And so we managed like to get them a new home to a different bank oh, nice. and they managed to finance that because, but it's a lot of work, of course, like anything else, everything is a lot of work behind it, behind the scene, but just to get that in the communicating and understand like every party will on the same voice and have to do their part to make sure that everybody communicated, right? And 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 understanding the the, the roots of the causes of the problem and find the the solution, the viable solution that everybody can be comfortable, especially on the lender. I think that's so um, cool. I think that's so amazing how how important and critical communication can be, especially in these really difficult situations and financial complex challenges. Mm -hmm. You really have to be really good communicator. Absolutely. You know, another yeah. anecdote that I can give you, like, you know, I have yeah. a former colleagues at the bank, so smart, you know, credit trained, commercially credit trained, smart guy, you know. So the what I realized is that um, he the, the challenges that he faced as being a banker, you know, banker also like any business, you got to sell, right? You got to sell so like the product and services of your employer of the bank. Mm-hmm. So he he was not able actually to close deals. And 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 when I say to close deals, like when you talk to communicate with the borrowers or potential borrowers, I would say it's it's always ended up like why are these borrowers are not agreeing or wanted to go with them, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um there are no doubt there are various reasons, personality, whatnot. But one thing that I do realize, and it applies to like everyone's in sales. It's basically that when you go back to Melinda, when you say that, you know, that um, the communication style, whether mm-hmm. you are a big picture person, right, right. You, you, are, you are very specific. So mm-hmm. what happened in this situation is, is that my former colleagues is that he is more, he's a very detail oriented. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that's not important. It is important, but yeah. it's seeing the big picture here because yeah. at the end, the borrower who are not savvy, 
in terms of understanding how, what the financial, what the process, what does that mean when yeah. you have all this jargon that you tell yeah. me, that yeah. you have to meet this number, you have to be financial ratio, you have to be this service coverage, you have to, you know. He, oh my gosh. He is good with his business. So right. at the end, you know, the, those borrowers, only one thing that he said that he wants, yeah. do the deal or not. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's all came out of from his mouth. Oh my gosh. You see what I mean? So, yeah. So basically, my advice is that you take that because you respond from the borrower because you cannot put like on you as a as a banker, even no matter how knowledgeable are you and no no much no matter how much are you trying to help, but you gotta understand your audience. And this particular borrower, he exactly. is smart, but financing is not for everyone right he got his running his business that's why he's right. successful right you know so right. but it's just that doesn't mean that he knows the banking and then all the things that you do day in and day out as a banker no it's right. not so neither and neither does the, the client or whoever you're trying to close a deal with need to know all those details yes and you are too overwhelming it's overwhelming it's and when, overwhelming. You start, when you start breaking down into the nuances of what entails yeah it doesn't have to be that way and people right. yawn after that yeah i think there's a timing for it there's a time and place for it right okay. and this message is really really important for all everyone because of the audience here um there's some corporate people and they're very technical they're engineers they might yes. be and and so that they it's really difficult sometimes because you're so smart and you want to give so much information and if you feel like the more information you give the more smart you look or the more you know and the more you impress the person right and then the yes. other person on the other side meanwhile the other person on the other side is actually not you're not even connecting you're not cl clicking no so, and you, i completely agree with you yeah it's, it's yeah. basically that you know, don't try too hard. And just because, like, for example, and I came across this as well when you mentioned about ingenious, right? Ingenious, yeah. they're precise. So that's why they wanted to be very precise yes. uh, of, of answers that they want. Right. But what they didn't realize that they are not accounting person. Right. The, the the finance in the banking. Right. So they sometimes, what I have seen it uh, is that this uh, can potentially uh, kill the deal themselves right. because right. what you say and 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 it's kind of like changed the minds of the lenders so right. basically when you have that right. so there's nothing wrong that you want to as much as details that you want but also that there is a place and time for that right I agree, I agree. so the tip is like I would say to the audience like avoid trying to avoid using financial jargons or very complex financial terms when speaking to a diverse audience mm -hmm. uh, because you never know because not everyone is like you know they are they are banking professionals and finance because a lot of them are non-finance professional people right so just trying to avoid that and speak in the very plain english or plain language that everybody can understand and even that remind me just just to be aware don't assume that even the plain english sometimes that plain english may not be what they you want them to think correct so absolutely ask questions yeah. Can you can you paraphrase? Do you understand and have the other person repeat it? Right. And also yeah. now I said that about the power storytelling. Storytelling yeah. is, is that. So I don't know how many times that I come across because I advise many startups 
established companies and even at the C level. When you talk about C level, or CEO, CFOs, you know, like this is a very the high level and the leadership role that they have in their company. But that doesn't mean they're actually experts in banking and finance career, except if they're CPA or CFO. Sometimes even the CFO, different uh, depending on the level of experiences of the CFO has, whether they actually working on a small company, big company, uh, you know, that's a very difference, right? And so that's why even in the banking, you have small business, you have uh, you have the commercial banking middle market, then you have a corporate finance, everything, and then you have the investment banking. So every that line of business uh, have a different approach and has a different like uh, um, understanding. So powers, uh, the, how the, 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 the power of storytelling, I cannot just you know say this enough. So especially in entrepreneurs and startup out there and the founders listen, you're gonna be, you know, as a founders, you're gonna have a founder's dilemma. But do know, you don't know everything. Like me, I don't know a lot of things. You know what you know, I know what I know. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. However, that doesn't stop us from learning from each other. So mm -hmm. the startups is basically that, you know, um, when I advise them, as typically when they're trying to pitch to raise capital, right? And a lot of times, and it really depends, sometimes the CEO, I mean, not, not CEO, but in the startup, like a founder. So they always think that they have to know it all and they know it all, everything, right? But they don't understand that you're not in HR because you never work in HR. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you you are not in a PR, a marketing, because sometimes you are the worst uh, the worst person to represent your company to, to, to speak publicly about your company. Right. right. Yeah. So, for example, like giving you that, you know, when I studied my MBA at the, at the university, you know, and my cohort, um, there is one person that actually I'm so impressed every single time with her. And, and this is why she works in the um, in these uh, uh, healthcare industry and she always negotiate with the unions. And it's not easy to do negotiation with the union. And what it does is basically is that sometimes when I talk about certain things, she can come out maybe in one line, say, that's what you say? Exactly. She can capture everything, the essence of what I wanted to convey, mm -hmm. and she can communicate that very clear. So mm -hmm. it's talent, right? And then telling the stories. Now, going back to the founders, when they pitch, right? They need to actually found the people and the companies that know how to pitch. Of course, the best for founders to represent the company because they are the one who founding the company. But I've seen often founders, when you're not ready, they got nervous in front of the audience. Like maybe they should engage you, Melinda, to speak and flow. Yes, so yes, yes. Get, you know, learn how to, you know, how to speak, you know, publicly. And because it's not everybody's cup of tea. Right. And when they got nervous, they they, they lost a lot they of lost the train, train of thought. Yeah. yeah, train of thought, and 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 basically, then the the investors look like you're not confident. How can we, you know, uh, trust you as a you know with our money? You know, things like that. And so, the power of storytelling is is that we make sure what you present that on the pitch deck is basically that it create a story that resonate to the investors or to the lenders that you're talking to. Because it's provide the narrative that, you know, for that respective companies and that you're trying to do, right? Uh, but for example, um, you know, sometimes uh, basic stuff that I've seen recently, um, you know, uh, a founder who present uh, to the investors, 
he doesn't even look when he speaks, he doesn't have eye contact at all. He looked down all the time, look on the floor. And uh -huh. so I, I realized that, that, I mean, that, that is the basic stuff. You you shouldn't do that because right. it shows that itself how tired you are. I don't know how many meetings and pitches that you already done, right. but it's like you only got one shot every single right. time. That's right. it. And so, so I want to clarify, do, did you say that the as a when you're pitching or when you're telling a story, you want to pick a story that resonates with the audience, resonates with the investor? Yes. And because right? remember, remember so, those investors, when they want to invest, a lot of those investors have experience in the industry that they wanted to invest. Right. So how do I know if I'm trying to pitch, how do I know that what what do you just look online to say, hey, this traditionally this person has invested in these do your homework? Right. So basically, you before you pitch your yeah. invitation for who are these VCs, for example, yeah. who are these like at the angel groups, the angel right. investors group. Right. If you can find the, your point of contact and do a little bit of research who you are. It's just like when people go for job interviews, right? If they know that who's the interviewer and then what it is, do your homeworks a little bit and then know that. So when you're speaking, so you get ready. And sometimes, you know, I would say a lot of the VCs, the one, the, the kind one, the kind, the kind, very kindness, they, they actually provide like uh, insight, like, okay, this is what we're looking for. Yeah. But are you are you telling them, are you uh, training them to do a story around their background and why they started the company or what kind of stories are they? Storytelling is it's like it's very powerful. For example, as right. founders, like why they're passionate about their product. Why they're passionate about the product. Yeah. Why is that? How does it come about that they're trying to solve the problem? If this problem right. is just like one problem, just only applied to them, or this is a problem globally that they right. need to tackle and then can right. help people around the world globally. Because right. a lot of the investors that they're looking at how big like this company can go IPO, right? If the problems and then the solutions that the company is trying to provide is, is that solutions that are going to tackle the or disrupt the market, disrupt the technologies globally, right? Because then that your products can go global. But if the products or the services you that you actually trying to solve is only one uh, uh, solve the local problem may not be the investors that they wanted to invest in your company because they're looking for different things that that more company can go global. Yeah. 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 So so mm -hmm. passionate is about and what you're driven, why you're driven, right? And then why is that your management team is the right team for you to execute and 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 to execute your company and then get this company off the ground and be successful. And right. so these stories are important and they don't and like for example recently i asked like these um the founder and he said i asked him how do you know your co-founder because you have three found you have uh you have uh, all of them the three and then mm -hmm. this co-founder one of them is actually from their high school so they know each other they're buddies the mm -hmm. other co-founder that became unfortunately that co-founder it became a CEO. So my question is that how do you get to know and pick this person as, as a CEO? When one person that you are in the Bay Area here and one person in the Philippines, how do you how do you get to know each other and how do you select this person as a CEO and why? Right. So, yeah. so this is like, and because I saw when they're doing this pitching, right? The, the founders who do the pitching is like uncomfortable and the story oh. that, it's not the same of passions that he has for yeah. his, on the co founder oh, no. that they know from high school. 
Oh, got it, got it, got it. That makes sense. Right. It doesn't trunk. It doesn't. It doesn't you can see it. You can see the you post. Can see. You can totally see it. Yeah, the comfortable, uncomfortable. You know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I can see that because I've worked with a lot of different presenters, and this is really true. Even though you're talking about someone pitching to gain capital from investors, these same concepts apply to whether you're pitching to a stakeholder. If you're an organization. And your company leader, sometimes you have to pitch um, your your initiative. Like this initiative is going to help if you're thinking about how it can help globally. You're earlier, you're like the investors want to hear how it's going to help globally. So if you're pitching an initiative, think broader. How is this going to help the company versus maybe your department? Right. Yeah. Tell a story, a compelling story. If you're only thinking about the department or the uh, organ, like the one area, just think more broadly. And then that will be more compelling and tell stories on that. And that will be more compelling for your stakeholders. Absolutely. Even yeah. what I do and Hakim Saya as a yeah. founder and principal, your right. global funding partner, when I look at the project finance, so right. particularly that I'm going to get excited. What, for example, what project? Okay. It's not just like, oh, I'm doing these. XYZ project costs yeah. two billion US dollar. Sounds big, you know, all that. It doesn't matter to me. And sometimes it's like the project could be only 20 million or 50 million. But what matters to me is looking at what project, what impact they have in the community, how many mm -hmm. jobs are they planning to create, and also what kind of uh, impact that they have uh, to the world. Uh, mm -hmm. How are these going to serve them to realize their project become reality? Because I think this is very important, not only like, trying to seek out money yeah. right and but the project what is what what is it you've done to the community that you live or the global community that you're going to have this impact so it's got more, more excited about that rather than yeah. i have this cool technology that i'm going to do like renewable energy whatnot but what does that mean right the impact, so, the impact right yeah the impact. and then the, and then when you're speaking is speak it with passion no just look it at the ground and look at the ground the whole time yeah, and this is very, sometimes this is basic, but it's half a day in, day so, out. Especially when you're nervous, especially yeah. when you're nervous. Like well, I get nervous as well, no matter how professional I am, but you know, but sometimes there are days I lost my train of thought, yeah. but I think it would just come back, back up, right? You know, how you're going to like quickly and just like recover from that moment. And then yeah. sometimes we do, like I call it, like I have a senior moment, but I'm not senior yet, but you know. You can <laughs> make a laugh, make a joke about it. Right. <laughs> So immediately immediately you back up and then just land you can okay right and so it happens to everyone it happens to yeah. any entertainer no matter what and how professional yeah. they yeah. are like when they go on stage they suddenly they they forget the lyrics oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was really amazing. I think they were very that was a fantastic so great tips helping us to understand the complexity of financial communication, everywhere from jargon to email to even just regular plain English, how it could be quite nuanced and complicated. But um, I think you provided some really good tips of how to, to navigate this, how to master it. Uh, I like storytelling and being able to tell compelling stories. Uh, say them with passion and go big, like say compelling, think bigger. What is the impact that you're trying to make and tell the story around it? Absolutely. And I think it was just that for my years is, you know, um, um, seeing and seeding, being judging a lot of these, sometimes the competitions, right? Pitched 
pitch competitions, the demo day that the people that, you know, a lot of these accelerators, whatever they yeah. do. Yeah. And um, you know, I've seen that uh, companies coming from South Africa, uh, you know, like South Korea, coming, coming from Malaysia, Singapore, you know, all the other different parts of the world when they pitch is very different because they are, you know, the cultural differences and how they are. And the Americans are different, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> the Americans is always like, I would say in general, always come up actually that very um, confidence, you know? Sometimes even like, then the, the American ways is a little bit different than I have to digging more like on the facts. <laughs> so is that correct, you know? Right, like, right. But they show that they present themselves a very different. And then sometimes that, I've seen another country when they pitch like they are very shy because of culturally, uh, even though the the companies is really good what they're doing what the what they are uh, building is fantastic, but it's just that the way that they don't you know like trying to communicate that they don't know how because they're afraid. Yeah, great. they're afraid that being boastful, they're afraid that being egoistic, right? Right, right. To be seen no. and perceived that way. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. And it's not true. Yeah, it is, it is not. So I think it like, you know, cultural differences, you know, I do yeah. have a colleagues that, you know, wrote a book about, uh, you know, how to talk to Americans, basically. And she's the author and one of the co-author of the how to talk to, Amer to Americans and doing business. So her job is basically like letting know people that, uh, you know, how to not to piss off other people when you're doing things like, you know, like when you have to like elbow bums and it's yes, yes. okay in certain cultures, you know. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. my God. That was so fun. That was awesome. How would if a, a company, domestic international company needs some access to capital, how could they find you? Absolutely. I welcome any opportunity to work in even a small, medium enterprises, whether you are domestic uh, companies or whether you are international companies. And please, you can reach out to go to my website, which is at www.hakimsaya.com. So it's www.hakimsaya.com. Start with that first. Fill out those uh, you know, inquiry form. And uh, in a send us an email at info at hakimsaya.com. And uh, when you fill out those forms and then it gave you the, um, you know, uh, options to whether that you're doing international for project financing or invoice financings or for domestics requests as well. Reach out and you, um, you know, call. It's great. But, you know, because I'm busy. So maybe the best way is actually to get hold of me is through email. And then when I get comfortable, I would definitely that reach out to each individual. Um, I have very swift response and I am also very quick and say yes or no, whether I can work with you or not. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we're going to put your website also in the show notes. Oh, so, okay. Thank you so much, Melinda. I just, uh, yeah, I, I really hope that, um, you know, your audience and, uh, you know, will benefit uh, at least one or two, um, what we discussed today on your podcast. And then I, I again, it's a, it's a privilege and it's an honor to be part of your journey. I wish you the, all the best and so successful on your podcast. So, and then, then you can invite me to come back the next yes, time. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. There's a lot that we can learn even more. I mean, this is so much to talk about, but thank you so much for sharing the, what you gave today it was valuable and valuable. I trust they're going to get some nuggets and and learn on how to do this. Yes. And last but not least, um, do know for your audience, when I speak, it's come from the place of really care. Yes. That's the place that I talk about. It's uh, 
it's not merely lip services. That is from the place that I know that I'm dearly sincere of uh, when I shared that for decades of uh, experiences and knowledge. No, and that's why we are, that's why we are buddies. <laughs> I were colleagues and you yeah. know my audience. My audience are heart-centered leaders on a mission, on a mission to make an impact, make a difference. And so thank you, Murat. Thank you, dear listeners, for being here. And I'll see you at the next episode. Take care. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Melinda. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining the conversation today. Are you curious on how you measure up with your ability to speak and flow? Come grab my free self-assessment at speakinflow.com forward slash assessment. This assessment only takes a couple minutes to fill out. You will get your results within five minutes. See how you measure up with your ability to speak and flow and an unshakable confidence. Take the assessment, click on the link in the comments, and I'll see you on the other side.